Hello, Long Beach. Welcome to Artist Banter, a podcast focusing on arts and entertainment in Long Beach, brought to you by the Daily 49er staff. My name is Aziza Gomez, and I will be your host today. My first interview is with multi-instrumentalist, soul musician, Kyle P. Davis, who is also known around town as The Reverend. My first time seeing him was in 2021 when his band Soul Locust performed at D Piazza. Since then, he and his band have released their newest single, Stank, and Kyle has directed a comedy talk show titled Demo Reel, which is premiering on Padnet TV on February 25th. Hello, Kyle. How are you? Good evening. It's good to be here on NBC. <laughs> That's incredible. Can you do like a Kermit the Frog? Uh, I, I can't. That was completely accidental. That gave me like PBS. Like I feel ready to like donate money for my kids' future. You guys ready to learn? <laughs> yes. Put that No Child Left Behind grant to use. Mm. All right. So my first question for you today is how did you start your journey as a musician and how did you go about becoming a director for TV? Well, that's... Um, well, first off, I start. I started playing piano at the age of two, and um, that was the first instrument that I learned. Um, uh, my earliest memories are, you know, watching Charlie Brown VHSs and being enamored with uh, Vince Guaraldi's compositions, and so um, you know, learning those, playing those, and having perfect pitch. I hate bringing that up because everyone's like, "Ooh, hey, ooh, yeah, so you," but um, yeah. Uh, so I was, you know, all y'all know what it is. You know, yeah. I'm able to recognize notes, hear mm-hmm. notes. So I've been able to translate uh, music from a young age. And then um, uh, I hadn't learned any other instrument up until middle school where I took string classes and uh, picked up the, uh, you know, the violin. And um, I credit starting to play guitar uh, my senior year, but my first experience with it was in middle school where I was taking guitar classes and I only learned the E chord because I was only there for that class. <laughs> I had such terrible grades that my mom pulled me out immediately. So that was it on the guitar for the next few years or so. Uh, but then at, um, when, I was, uh, when I was nine, my parents had brought me, uh, you know, this American Idol branded drum set because remember it was like 2007, American <laughs> Idol was everywhere. And so, um, uh, yeah, they brought me a drum set laden with the American Idol insignia. So from there I learned to play drums. And, uh, yeah, from then on, uh, it was it really wasn't until high school where I started picking up other instruments like the bass and later on the guitar and the marimba and the timbales and I'm still learning new ones to this day because you know you never stop learning. Now, as far as directing goes, I've always been a, I don't I don't know if I can say this I've always been a whore for television. <laughs> you know, I've, I've you know I've always loved television. We we all grew up you know in an amazing period for children's television. You know, because, I mean, when you think about it from a chronological perspective, um, Nickelodeon was the first children's network that debuted in the late 70s. So for those first couple decades, it was experimental. Then the 90s hit, and then they found their feet. And then the 2000s hit, and, um, you know, SpongeBob and everything Uh, like that. The only show that matters, truly. In all of culture. I don't know, man. Cartoon Network never missed. For a solid two decades, Cartoon Network never... Okay, at least for me and my... (laughs) Posse of fair, fair. You know, demented people. Um, but yeah. So I'm pretty sure for the most of us that did watch television, there were bangers from wall to wall, and so I was just glued to the television. It couldn't stop me from. And so it was from then. uh, In middle school, I started getting into sketch comedies. I started watching, you know, shows like uh, 
uh, I, well, I started watching old Saturday Night Live episodes and episodes of all that and um, Canadian sketch comedies and British sketch comedies and all of that. And um, with my smooth brain, I really um, <laughs> fell in love with, you know, low form, uh, low budget, mm. short subject comedy. Mm. And I've always had plans to shoot something along those lines. And then uh, fast forward to... Uh, uh, 2016, that's when I started going to Long Beach City. I, I know that's the rival school up the road. I'm sorry to mention it. <laughs> and um, uh, now the television department there was excellent. It was great. Um, and it was really experimental. And because I had such this, I had such a high for television and creating media production, like I was the only one that would use this really huge broadcasting studio to just film my projects. And uh, one of those projects was Demo Real. I won't even say what would become Demo Real because it's been Demo Real since it started. In 2018, that's when I started my production company. And um, in, in the years prior, from 2016 to 2018, I was already directing sketches and, you know, learning Adobe Premiere Pro by, like, memory. And, uh, you know, the luckily we had this, we had this uh, shortcut keyboard that had all the functions of Adobe Premiere. And so I used that to essentially pick up Premiere without a lesson. No. And uh, so I learned how to edit, and I learned color correction, and I learned green screening and chroma keying. And then in the studio, I would learn how to direct multi-cameras from the booth and run a camera. And by the time late 2018 hit, I was able to essentially run the whole studio single-handedly. And and I did, because, um, uh, you know, um, getting into Demoral, it was just me and uh, the main host, who's Jalon Dylan Sanford, a childhood friend of mine. And uh, at the time, he was. I'm, I'm pretty sure the. I'm pretty sure one of the questions here is tell us about demo reel. So <laughs> go ahead. I I, I suck at answering questions because one answer will lead into a whole nother. And no, so yeah, I'm, I have already so many responses. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure I answered like ten <laughs> questions within this five minute time span. And so um. Yes, I mean, okay. Look, first thing I wanted to say was. It's really cool that you have perfect pitch, and I wanted to ask you, have you seen any of Charlie Puth's interviews? Like, he's literally, he's like, I'm so fed up with people that ask me what a note is. Like, obviously, I know what the note I mean, is. I, I, I like I like games, so I kind of do like playing that. Not because, ooh, it's showing off, but really, it helps me, too, to make sure I never lose it. <laughs> Can I sing you a note, and you tell me what it is? Yes. Mm. A flat. Interesting. Interesting. A, a, I, I a, 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 flat, a flat three, if you want to get specific. <laughs> you know, in high school, I used to be so obsessed with watching, like, video vocal range on different artists. Mm -hmm. Like, I would rewatch like, Amy Winehouse and Adele's, like, a long, they're, like, three octave range. Yeah. And I was like, damn. You see, I, see my, I, I grew up with a good Christian African-American mother from Los Angeles, so naturally Prince was prayed, played throughout yeah. the house. Prayed and played. <laughs> throughout the house that. since childhood. So trust me, I had an early experience with experiencing those with a three octave range. And I want to say like you, you it's, it sounds like you pick up things kind of really fast. Like you're, yeah. you're very young and you're already like so experienced in so many things. And I want to congratulate you on that because it's like you. amazing within itself. So you went to OBCC mm -hmm. and that's kind of how you got into, um, you got into creating content yeah. With TV. Yes. So talk to me now more about Soul Locust and maybe let us know as Long Beach um, citizens where we could go to like jam with other musicians locally or to or where to maybe try for our first gig. Well, D Piazza's is like 
the Long Beach International International spot for the first gig. Like, if you want a good first gig, it's got to be D Piazza's. Okay. Because you know it's it's not pay to play. It's not you have to make a certain ticket ticket quota. It's you talk to the people. They get the you know you you that you discuss what days they have open to do a show, mm-hmm. and then you do your show, and then you you know you do your best to promote it. You're you're right. self promoting. Right. You know naturally, but um. You know, if you can get enough people there, then you can make a good thing. Of course, you know, DPI takes a cut, but it's not that big right. of a cut. Makes sense, too. And, you know, you're able to put a tip jar out if you want to. Um, it's a wide enough floor to where people can get down and start dancing and things. It's, it, it, And especially now, because in the first band I ever had, and this is pre-Solocust. Okay. Our first show was a DPI's. Now, we were terrible, but we still <laughs> were able to fill out the dance floor because, you know, we had a good beat to us. Mm-hmm. And, um... But since then, they've updated their sound system. Uh, Chris, who runs sound, he's one heck of a guy, and I love him to death. And um, so, yeah, you're just you, – you, I I can't really think of a better first gig spot. Like, Piazza's really does it, – it's a good first gig, and it won't feel like a first gig at the same time. That's you know, amazing. It feels like you're performing at a legit place because they have, you know, legit lighting, and you've got, like, about four or five monitors. You've got the drum part of the stage risen up. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a it's a – excellent place that's awesome um and then i also went to roxanne's mm-hmm. roxanne's bar what would you say is like roxanne's vibe and like who who would be like a good musician to go there i guess all starting musicians but like why would they want to go to roxanne's i can't even explain it i can only say just go there on monday night <laughs> and i like you uh kyle and i are talking before we started recording and you mentioned that you don't like when people are intimidated to like seeing in front of you or playing yeah, in front no, of see, you. Yeah, no. See, no. Many times, um, when I go to jams, and uh, and not just in Long Beach, like when I go to jams anywhere, and you know, people see what I do and people see how I sing because I have a I have a very rough, um, rustic and raspy voice. Soulful voice. Being, the voice of an angel. Be, being a blues musician, I do have a raspy voice so people are always like oh you know i'm terrified to sing in front of you i'm afraid if i mess up and it's like okay if you mess up that's just all part of the plan Mm, like some of the best concerts i've ever seen on the internet and went to are ones where the notes just don't really fall together right i'm not saying when it's a complete you know show but um i mean when there is that like tiny little off pitch thing that only you hear but nobody else hears i hear it speaking as a soul musician i love it because it's the imperfections and improvisational moments that make good concerts. It's not just structured. Show. I mean, of course you have to have, I, I, I usually explain it like this. This is the metaphor I usually use. You know, when you, uh, when like you see someone cleaning wood or if you've cleaned wood yourself, um, to clean wood good and to polish it good, you got to put a conditioner on it first. Mm. That's rehearsal. Rehearsal and practices are just conditioning for your muscle memory. Like to the a point, primer. Yeah, to the point where when you get on stage, it's already, it, what, all the notes you have to play are ingrained within your body. Right. So you don't even have to think about it. You can make room for improvisation. Right. And I always try to make it to where no two shows are the same. Mm. So I've also heard another saying that practice, uh, perfect practice makes perfect. Yeah, I saw that video too, and it's true. Yeah. That's true. Do you think your practice routine is kind of 
different now than when you first started? Like, for me, when I first started, it was all, like, trying to make up that time, like, trying to get those 30 minutes in, you know? But now it's, like, I want to do it so that I feel fulfilled and so that I'm building my skills. So I'm interested. How do you now view your practicing? I'm not going to lie to you. I, not I barely practice, but my practice is just making music mm. you know um i'm usually we're, we're recording in my studio yeah and um if you can hear the beautiful band in the background yeah <laughs> do you, wait first of all do you want to tell us where we are and like yeah this is um this is, this is international city studios and all like the entire long beach music scene has a room here like i kid you not the entirety of the long beach music scene there's you know the, the from the punk groups to the rap groups to the r&b groups to the blues groups they all have a room here and um uh, I too have a room here. Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful in here. I wish we could all see it. Right, but um, oh yeah. So usually I'm in here and I'm, you know, here for hours on end, just recording songs. Song. There's like about a there's tens of songs that I've recorded that aren't released. I plan on releasing them soon, but there's just many songs I've just recorded as a solo artist here, just tracking drums, tracking bass, and so um. Yeah, um, whenever I do practice, it's generally with a group. Right. And, um, you know, I've got, I've got the benefit of the, some of the main groups I practice with, I've either started or written songs for. I love that. So I already have the songs, you know, packed in memory from composing them. Right. But with other groups that I play for, and then because professionally I'm a session musician, so I'm just a hired gun. But uh, for those groups, because... I'm trying to figure out a way to say this. Because of everyone else who I perform with, the music really isn't that complex. Like I can just like like right now, if if, er, if anyone were to send me a song right now, I could just I can just score it down, write a lead sheet on it, and then just follow it and then make the necessary make the necessary inflections. And generally, so far, people will be like, and put the reverend twist on it. So it's <laughs> like, oh, there you go. And so you're essentially just asking me to be myself through music. So I'm, ab- I'm able to just register what songs I have to play because I know what key it's in. I know what inversion it's in. I know what minor, you know. I, I've ar- I already know about the song from a first listening. Now, I can't recreate it, but if you'll let me tweak with it and improv with it, then I've got the song. That's incredible. Okay, so a question that I had is, um, who are some of your favorite musicians? But let's, like... Let's li- let's like limit the parameters of the question. As a as a as a hired gun. Hired gun. Yes. What are some now, of your favorite gigs? Now, if you guys if you guys don't uh, have the context clue on what a hired gun <laughs> is, basically, um, it's it it is just the way it sounds. You know, you someone hires you to play a gig or a tour, and then that's it. But as a hired gun, my favorite artists to have played with are um, uh, Bar- uh, Bardo from Chicano Batman. I've been playing in his solo Ooh. group for years. Uh, Rudy Deanda, who um, was in Long Beach, and he was my first major tour. Uh, we toured the East Coast uh, to different states. And uh, that entire group was just amazing. Right now he's in Chicago, uh, living the dream. Uh, but, um, yeah, being in that tour has given me some of my fondest and best memories as a musician so far, and probably of all time. And, uh, yeah, and just, and just, you know, the musicians that you meet along the way, not just the connections you make, but the musicians that you're blessed enough to play with and the people who out of the kindness of their heart might, you know, let you crash at their space or foot a bill for you or it's 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 just great. The experience has been very rewarding and it's only continuing. 
That's super awesome. I love Chicano Batman. Like they They're have cool. Cool such guys. a rich sound They're and cool it's guys. so nostalgic. If you haven't listened to Chicano Batman, I definitely recommend. Okay, so back to Kyle. Mm-hmm. I want to know who has been an inspiration for you on this journey that you're on? Like, is it a family member, a mentor? Who is it? Tell us the tea. There's an entire list. Okay. You know, there's an entire list. Like, I do a lot, so my inspirations are an amalgamation of what I do, you know? Um, a lot of singers now, they'll look up to, like, primarily Amy Winehouse or primarily Prince or primarily. And, um, you know, of course, everyone has dozens and dozens of inspirations but there's usually one that they like look up to, like you look up to primarily for me it's everything you know um my great-grandfather was a blues musician um my mom played prince around the house prince was my first concert so looking up to him as a uh, multi-instrumentalist the, uh, any and all of the musicians that have crossed my path you know um uh i had always been scared of the idea of being the front runner or leader of a group because you know even though you know i have this brash leo personality <laughs> i never want to sure. i never want to behind closed doors be the guy that's like okay what i say goes is so i usually have my groups be democratic mm-hmm. but joining bardo's solo group you know because he has a solo group as well as chicano batman and chicano batman are still going on nothing's happening to them it's just you know you <laughs> have other musical ideas that you want right, to do right and so being a part of his group um, I've seen how you can maintain a level of like democraticness in the group, but at the same time, structure. You know, there's always got to be a couple of people, if not one person, to hold structure in the group. Right. So he's been an inspiration to me through that. Uh, Rudy has been an information inspiration to me from his showmanship. Like, oh, my God, when he performs, he's crazy. He's, like, hopping off. He's hopping on risers, climbing lighting poles, <laughs> um, no matter how flimsy. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then just, you know, as a director, a lot of, you know, old television and 60s and 70s and 80s graphics, you know, watching compilation after compilation of these type of things. And, um, yeah, sometimes my music inspires what I do in video production in that whenever I edit, it's usually on beat to something. And then sometimes uh, what I do on television inspires what I do musically. Generally, a lot of my music video ideas are through VHS or through um, some sort of filmic thing. or being So it, 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 it all interplays. There's about hundreds and dozens of things that have inspired where I am today that I can't even begin to name. Well, those are really good ones. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so I want to ask you, do you have any final words of advice for aspiring artists in Long Beach? I get this question a lot, and um, I generally give the same answer, which is um, two things. Think about some of your favorite artists and look at live performances of it and really analyze just why they're your favorite artist. And number two, look up the roots of whatever genre that you're into. Generally, it'll always go down to something like blues or jazz or soul or funk. And look at live performances of those. You know, these vi- these videos from the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. Generally, they're black artists because, you know, black people have created, like, 
the bulk of what we know as Western music today. Mm-hmm. And so it's, uh, you know, respecting those traditions and also embracing what's to come. Just just be conscious of what you're doing. You know, a lot of mistakes I've made as a musician that, you know, I continue to make as a musician are because I'm not conscious of what I'm doing or I don't think about what I'm doing or I just don't think. And don't pigeonhole yourself into what you create. Don't just pigeonhole yourself into what you create. I'm not saying do a hundred things, but I mean like you have a life outside of music and embrace that. You know, to be perfectly frank, I'm experiencing the <laughs> the hardships of that right. now. I feel you. And so um yeah, just create for the sake of creating. Respect yourself, respect others, respect your craft, respect the pioneers that have helped to form your craft. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, just stay chill. Yeah, and if I could add to that, I would say be authentic, you know, because I feel like a lot of times what comes off as like insensitive or just like a appropriation is when someone is not kind of staying in their lane. And I feel like a reason why people don't stay in their lane is because they don't really know that it's their lane. So I would say stay authentic. Well, also a thing, yeah. a, a thing I realized, oh, sorry to cut you off. No it's, it's what's marketed to us, you know? Exactly. It's what's marketed to us. And because we're in... It's not even a lot of people blame the digital age for this. Really, this has been around since media commercialism was a thing back in the mid 20th century. Mm -hmm. But you see success. So and you see success quick. Uh, You know, you're never shown the behind hours work. You're never shown the yellings. You're never shown the thrashings. You're never shown the tears, the blood, the sweat. You're only seeing the finished product. Right. And because of this, as you know, Western music listeners and music appreciators and western creatives we're only interested in the bottom line we're we're so caught up in we've got to make this you see all these entertainers they're young i've got to do this while i'm young or else i'm going to die in obscurity and my art's going to die in obscurity so uh and really that ties into everything i do you know um again this is a lesson that even i myself am learning and coming into terms with but um this is why I've always been an advocate for community music, and this is why I'm such an advocate for community television as well. Amazing. Um, but yeah, th- I'm just echoing your point here. Yeah, be <laughs> authentic. Don't don't look or listen to someone and be like, I can't do that. Um, don't even look and listen to someone and be like, I can do that. Just be like, this just is turning appreciate a, Just appreciate it. it. Yeah, and, man. And if you feel so inspired to create something, then create something out of the bottom of your heart. Don't try to recreate something. Don't try to be the next great disco artist or the next great, you know, just, just be authentic. Yeah, just be yourself. I, also, I would say, don't be so, like, caught up in being original. Like, originality could be found anywhere, but also there's only 12 notes in music. So obviously there's going to be some overlap. And oh. there's even like controversy around John Williams and how yeah. everybody thinks that he stole things. But in reality, what you listen to will somehow form your own musical taste. And originality is whatever you bring to the table mm. stylistically. Originality isn't stylistic. You know, I was talking to you about it earlier today, how blues, 90% of blues music is just the same 12 bars. Mm-hmm. But the artists who have made the genre theirs are people who add style to it. B.B. King sounds different from Muddy Waters, sounds different from Buddy Guy, sounds different from um, uh, 
Big Mama Thornton sounds different from uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp because they've made those 12 bars their own. And that's that's what music should be. Now, of course, if you if you want to get in pop and like your thing is you want to be, you know, radio ready. Yeah. Then, <laughs> then if your heart's in it, then do it, you know. And um, even if you are in it for the money and have talent to do it, just know what you're getting into. That's literally it. Just know what you're getting into. But, you know, if you're out if you're out here crying that, you know, oh, nothing's going to be changed about music, you know, there are no originality. But you're out here doing something just because it sells. Then you're only part of the problem. So, um. So, uh, and that's that on that. That's that on that. And that's, <laughs> that's why I do blues music. That's why I do funk music. And that's why I devote so much time. You know, I know that it may not be the big thing right now. And I'm not even concerned whether it's going to be in the big thing in the future. I'm just concerned about sounding good and being true to myself as a musician. And that's, we're bo- that's why we're booked and busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's all for Artist Banter this week. Thank you so much, Kyle, for this interview. I learned Thank so much. And I'm so grateful to be just in your in your bubble right now, Thank in you. your space. It's super beautiful. And to the listeners, don't forget to check out Beach, uh, Beach News Weekly for campus news on daily49er.com, as well as other podcast content brought to you by the Daily 49er. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Daily 49er. Thank you, and talk to you soon. <laughs>